Alright guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Kriogs over coffee. coffee. And today we have back with us Dr. Marima Ruhotina, who is a first-year fellow in minimally invasive gynecologic surgery at Yale New Haven. Um, and she is coming back to us today to talk about the second part in our laparoscopic surgery series. So welcome back, Mary. Thanks so much for having me again. So today we'll talk about something very important, which is abdominal entry. All right. So Mary, let's kick through these entry techniques. Start us off with that open or Hassan technique. Absolutely. So the Hassan technique involves an incision, usually periumbilical, and is made through all of the layers of the abdominal wall and allows for direct visual entry into the abdomen. And in the outline that I am giving you guys, it includes every step of the technique. So that's if someone needs, you know, the step-by-step, step, then that's an easy way to access it there and also include some images of what the Hassan technique looks like. There are certain advantages to using the Hassan technique, um, the direct visualiz visualization of all the layers of the abdominal wall during entry is an absolute advantage. Some studies report that the incidence of vascular injury um, during closed laparoscopic entry was about 0.44% compared to 0% in open laparoscopic entry. So something to consider there. And then there's also the incidence of bowel injury was said to be 0.7% in closed entry techniques and 0.5% for open uh, laparoscopic entry like the Hassan. So in terms of some disadvantages to think about with this Hassan technique is that you may need some greater time to perform the technique, given that you are dissecting through all the layers of the abdominal wall um, to perform this. Um, there may be some difficulty with the technique, specifically in obese patients. Um, and then some studies have reported that there is a difficulty in maintaining the pneumoperitoneum. However, remember what I said at the beginning. If a surgeon is, ex is ex experienced with the Hassan technique, then that surgeon should still keep performing that technique. Some general tips to think about, you know, this can be considered in uh, cases if the abdominal wall is too thick to accommodate the varies needle um, or too thick to accommodate the direct entry with the laparoscope. Um, you can avoid creating the incision too large for the trocar, therefore you can reduce the leaking pneumoperitoneum. Um, and then you can consider this technique for pelvic pathology, where you think that the varies is actually going to increase your risk for complications. But again, you know, thinking about the time piece, if it's performed by, by a well-practiced surgeon, this actually shouldn't increase your time in surgery. And then just generally thinking about it, it requires a 10 to 12 millimeter trocar to perform this. Then switching to the varies needle technique is the next one, which is part of the closed um, laparoscopic abdominal access techniques. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about this, Mary. I feel like we favor this method a lot in um, our residency, especially. Absolutely. And it's a very common way of entering the abdomen. You know, just right off the bat, an advantage of using the varies technique is a very quick entry into the abdomen. But there are a lot of things to consider that we're going to go through for varies entry that you need to keep in mind for patient safety. So commonly what you'll see for the varies 
technique is that we enter at the umbilicus. The reason for that is that there's no fat or muscle between the skin and the peritoneum at this location. And I don't know if you guys knew these little facts, but I'm going to tell you some interesting things about the varies needle itself. Um, so the varies needle is going to puncture through the layers of the abdominal wall in contrast to the Hassan technique where you're dissecting and actually going yourself to the um, peritoneum. So the varies needle is a small bore needle. It's about two millimeters and it has a spring-loaded protective obturator. And this obturator recoils um, to cover the end of the needle. And so this allows entry into the abdominal cavity without traumatizing the underlying organs. It's really important to consider, though, with a varies needle, that in extremely thin patients, the great vessels lie about one to two centimeters below the umbilicus. And so it's really important to keep that kind of in mind when you're placing the varies needle that you do not advance the needle too far into the abdomen. And we'll particularly talk about that you need to change the angle of how you're placing the needle um, given the patient's body habitus. So now thinking about that, you know, the distance of the great vessels can be one to two centimeters below the umbilicus. We should talk about how do you actually angle the needle for placement into the abdomen? So if you have a patient who is not obese, um, kind of average uh, BMI, then you can place the angle usually at about a 45 degree angle. Um, if a patient is obese, then that angle will change and you can actually enter the abdomen at a 90 degree angle. With patients who are extremely thin, you can increase the uh, angle greater than 45 degrees and very much keep in mind, again, the proximity of the great vessels underneath the umbilicus. Something that you might remember from residency is that when you use the varies technique, the um, surgeons that we worked with would say, okay, did you feel the two clicks? Do you guys remember that or the two pops? Yep, yep. absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, so there is uh, a reason why you should hear those things. So, and this is part of the technique for using the varies needle. So the first pop or click is the needle passing through the abdominal fascia. And then the second pop or click is the needle as it passes through the, new, the, through the peritoneum. But it's really important if you're using the varies at an alternate site, not at the umbilicus, you may feel an additional pop if more than one layer of the fascia is traversed. So just keep that in mind. So if you're using, for example, Palmer's point, which we'll talk about, you may in fact feel three clicks rather than two. Um, and then the needle will enter the peritoneal space. Um, the displaced hub of the needle will then click as the protective sheath recoils to cover the end of the needle, like we talked about before, as a mechanism to, to decrease traumatic entry into the abdomen. Got it. So I know like the two clicks, though, is not the end of the story with confirming placement of the needle. There's like, I feel like a thousand different techniques of how you actually confirm the correct placement of the needle. Can you take us through a couple of those? Yes, absolutely. And again, this is something that you'll see is very surgeon specific. Um, so there are three main techniques that I'm going to tell you about in terms of confirming the correct placement of the varies needle. Because remember, this is a closed entry technique. It's not like the Hassan where you can see with your eyes, okay, I'm in the right place. 
So one of the first things is the saline aspiration and injection. So you basically attach a 10 cc syringe containing some normal saline. You aspirate, and then, then if no content return, like blood, for example, or enteric contents, then you presume that the tip of the needle is intraperitoneal. Then what you do is inject the saline into the presumed peritoneal space. And then if the saline injects freely without resistance, um, you're saying, okay, most likely you have an, a correct intraperitoneal uh, placement of the varies needle. If you do see blood or enteric contents returned, um, then you might think, okay, well, I may have an inadvertent vascular or visceral injury. Um, you should leave the needle in place and then obtain access at an alternate site so you can investigate that original site placement. The other thing you can do is a hanging drop test. So again, you place a drop of saline into the open varies needle hub, you elevate the abdomen, and then the correct placement is suggested when that drop of saline is going to basically draw down into the abdomen because you're thinking, okay, the abdomen is a negative pressure system so that saline should just easily drop in. The last way you can confirm um, placement of the varies needle is measuring the intra-abdominal pressure. So you attach the varies needle to the laparoscopic insufflator. The correct intra-abdominal position should be indicated by a pressure less than 10 millimeters of mercury. So one large ob observational study confirmed that low intraperitoneal pressure was the most reliable way to confirm varies needle placement. However, there are many studies that also say, you know, there is no one method that is better than the other. And then again, it's more surgeon preference of what type of method you'd like to use. Ultimately, all surgeons are going to hook up to the insufflator. And so it is really important to remember that pressure setting of less than 10 millimeters of mercury does signify that you're most likely in the correct place with the varies needle. Some really important things to remember though. So some people say, okay, wiggle the needle. This will basically shake away any of the attached organs or any omentum or anything that's attached to the needle tip. But remember, this will enlarge the 1.6 millimeter puncture injury, then up to one centimeter in viscera or blood vessels. So just keep that in mind that wiggling that needle may not be the best thing to do. Number of attempts is a really important thing. I don't know if you guys remember this, but I felt like, you know, our attendings after one, two attempts would be like, okay, and now I'm taking over. Do you remember those scenarios? Yes, definitely. So there actually is data behind this and our attendings were on the right track here to not let us try 100 times to get into the abdomen. So what they did see in studies is that complication rates associated with attempts of varies entry increase with each attempt. So for example, your first attempt, the rate of injury ranges from 0.8 all the way up to 16%. Then after two attempts, it goes 16 all the way close to 38%. The third attempt is 44 to 64%. And then after three attempts, the rate of injury or the likelihood of a complication goes from 85 to 100%. 
So, and these complications can be, you know, associated with like extra peritoneal insufflation, or mental or bowel injury, or uh, blood vessel injury. But you can tell that the more attempts you have, the higher the likelihood of uh, complications that you're going to encounter. So really, most surgeons will say, okay, you can try three times in that area. And ultimately, if you don't gain access, for example, if you're using the umbilicus as an entry point, you should probably try somewhere else in the abdomen and not continue in that one, um, one entry site. And then the other thing really important to remember, we talked about this in the um, positioning of the table when you start surgery, that you want the table to be uh, level. And the reason for that is if you're placing the needle in Trendelenburg, the bifurcation of the aorta may be more cranial when the than when the patient is in a horizontal position. So you're actually increasing the likelihood that you could potentially have injury to the great vessels. So just something to consider there. One question for you, Mary, is, you know, when we do the Hassan technique, obviously you're open in the abdomen, you just stick the port right in, right? How do we put our first port in once we place that varies needle? Because you, like you said, you have that 1.6 millimeter entry. You obviously can't put a port in there. The once you think that that varies is in the correct place, you insufflate the abdomen. And what you should insufflate to is usually about 15 millimeters of mercury. And the way you can tell is you should appreciate tympani with percussion of the abdomen, specifically in the right upper quadrant. And this indicates that intra-abdominal insufflation has been done appropriately and the distribution of gas is in the whole abdominal cavity. So once you get that, then you're like, okay, how do I place my first port, my first trocar? So there's different mechanisms and different techniques that you can use. So you can use a visual port entry um, so this is actually allowing you to recognize each layer of the abdominal wall as you pass through and you use a specific port that's transparent so you can visualize each of those layers of the abdominal wall. You can place the port as a blind insertion. Um, you want to make sure that, you know, now we're using a more blunt trocars rather than cutting trocars, especially with that first entry because, again, it's blind, even though you have your abdomen is insufflated. You're, it, there could be still complications related to that blind entry. There's also trocar systems that can be used to maintain the varies needle track. So basically you're only creating one um, hole into the abdominal cavity. Some of those that are available are like the Versa step system. There's a radially dilating expandable sleeve that stays in place when you remove the varies needle. And then basically you place the blunt trocar through the sleeve, um, and then you're not changing the direction or creating more holes compared to the initial varies entry. So those are the three ways that you can place your primary port. When you are placing that initial trocar, you want to make sure that you obviously think about how deep you're placing that trocar to avoid injury to the aorta or iliac arteries. You want to hold the trocar by its shaft rather than by the top of the trocar. This will also help prevent uncontrolled depth or speed of penetration through the abdominal wall. It's really important to to twist the trocar actually in kind of semicircles while exerting the firm downward pressure than rather just placing excessive downward pressure. So I think you probably remember that, you know, 
in residency, they, they'd say, okay, twist, twist, twist. And so that does have a purpose in it because it allows you to have a little bit more control with your trocar. And then when you actually place that trocar, you can listen for the rush of gas from the peritoneal cavity coming through the trocar, which indicates that you have properly placed the trocar. And then, of course, you place your laparoscope, and that will ultimately confirm that you have correct placement and that you have not caused any inadvertent injury. The other last thing that I would say in terms of placing that primary trocar after using the various technique, you can hyperdistend the abdomen to place that blind trocar after varies needle insufflation. And so you can increase the pressure, for example, to 20 millimeters of mercury. This basically gives you a little bit more space away from the abdominal organs and also provides better support for the trocar. This is very good for patients, again, like we talked about those thin patients where the great vessels are very close in proximity to the umbilicus. Um, and they've done research and it shows that clinically significant adverse events, like for example, cardiopulmonary function compromise has not been observed with brief periods of hyperdistension in the abdomen. And we'll talk about the effects of pneumoperitoneum in another podcast. So, you know, raising the pressure up to 20 millimeters of mercury just for this initial port entry should not have any problems for the patient. Great. That was an awesome overview about varies entry and then getting started after that. What other methods are there for abdominal entry though, um, beyond the varies needle? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a couple other methods that we can talk about. And so visual entry technique that we kind of briefly discussed can be used for either primary or secondary pore placement. And again, it's using that transparent tip um, trocar. So this allows the surgeon to view each of those abdominal layers. Usually you use a zero degree scope um, as you're going through the layers. This again, gives you the benefit of seeing exactly what you're doing. You can use this technique, even if the abdomen is not insufflated, you can use this prior to insufflation. So that's one way that you can enter the abdomen. The other way that you can do is a direct blind trocar entry. So the direct method is the fastest of any other entry, but it is probably least performed technique in practice today. So the advantages is you're avoiding complications potentially related to the varies needle, like failed pneumoperitoneum, preperitoneal insufflation, intestinal insufflation, but this initial entry is a blind step. So you have to consider that that could potentially arise in some complications. And the, the nice part is though, you know, once you place this trocar, you add your insufflation and you're kind of done. You place your laparoscope and boom. So it's not this multi-step system that you have with the varies needle. Again, just reiterating, it is whatever the surgeon is most, you know, comfortable with that they should perform. So if a surgeon does just direct trocar entry, there's not a lot of data that says that this will ultimately increase complications compared to other techniques. And then in the outline that I provided, I also talk about some advanced access technique like single incision surgery and natural orifice transluminal endoscopic surgery, which I won't talk about here, but that information is available for your listeners if they'd like. 
Thanks so much, Mary. That's a lot of great information. Um, let's talk a little bit about common access points for laparoscopic surgery. So, I mean, obviously you already talked about the umbilicus as the most common site for the varies needle placement, but what are some other places like you mentioned Palmer's Point, all of those things? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one thing, so Palmer's point is considered the left upper quadrant entry. So this is insertion of the varies needle about three centimeters below the left subcostal margin in the midclavicular line. And this is considered for patients who have previous laparotomies um, or for patients who have um, obesity or exceptionally thin patients. Because again, remember the umbilicus is very close to um, vasculature that you may want to avoid for those patients. Then also with previous surgeries, you have increased risk for adhesions. Um, so one of the things to consider with the left upper quadrant entry, you want to make sure that the um, patient has an OG tube in place so that you can create gastric decompression. And then um, you should insert the varies at a perpendicular angle to the skin. The contraindications for left upper quadrant entry is if a patient has previous splenic or gastric surgery, if someone has hepatosplenomegaly, portal hypertension, or gastropancreatic masses, and that probably would not be the best place to place your initial um, trocar or your initial port. But it may be good for those patients who have those previous, you know, midline laparotomy incisions, and you're worried that there could be adhesions and entering at the umbilicus may increase complications. The other uh, entry site location that you can think about is also the middle upper abdomen. And this lies centrally between the xiphoid process and the umbilicus. Particularly, this may be a good entry point for patients who have large pelvic pathology or malignancy. So it can overcome and avoid obstacles from adhesions um, resulting from the previous you know, low midline incisions. Um, and also it may uh, improve overcrowding that you can feel if the uterus is very large. Um, and it's nice once you place your laparoscope at this port location, you can leave it um, in that central line rather than sometimes when we enter in the left upper quadrant, you actually end up making another uh, port incision for your laparoscope because we don't traditionally operate with our laparoscopes in the left upper quadrant. So this is a benefit of the mid middle upper abdomen entry. You know, this is contraindicated for patients who had previous surgery at the supra umbilical region. So very, you know, the things that we talked about at the beginning, you know, considering patient preoperative evaluation, these are some things you have to think about because it'll influence where your entry technique is. And then also some interesting points where you can, or entry points that you can use during gynecologic surgery is inserting the varies through the uterine fundus or the posterior vaginal fornix can be used to create pneumoperitoneum. I can't say that I've done either of those, but they're available. All right. I think that does it for this particular episode um, abdominal entry. Mary, thank you so much for sharing with us. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creags Over Coffee. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, go ahead and go on to iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us online on Twitter at CreogsOverCoff1, on Instagram and Facebook at CreogsOverCoffee, or if you love the show, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash CreogsOverCoffee. Send us some love, we'll send you some swag. 
We'll have show notes for this show and every other show on our website, www.creogsovercoffee.com. Finally, if you have a correction for today's episode, email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com.